Father, we count it a great privilege to be able to be here in this sovereign place, Lord, that's been set aside for us to experience thy blessings on this week of Eastern Camp. Lord, we've taken it for granted probably for far too long, and so we want to give thee the thanks and praise for it. Ask that thy spirit would be present in this place, speak to our hearts perhaps in a way that we haven't seen before, but that is is needful for each of us, from the presenter to all those that would be sitting in the, the benches. Lord, pray that thy spirit would provide a calm over the many different distractions that weigh on all of our hearts and minds and give us clarity of mind and spirit to be able to hear the message that you would have for us. For it all, Lord, we'll give thee thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I'm thankful to be here. Um, I'm Mike Freund. I'm from Syracuse. Um, I, this, I've done forums in the past. I, I, I don't mind doing them, honestly, but I, I'm a little bit different than some other ones. This is not going to be a presentation or a lecture or something else. I'd rather stand down here, but only because that thing's so high. I would rather you not have to look at me down there and then keep staring up there. So this will be totally interactive. Um, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. I don't mind awkward silence, and I also don't mind calling people out. So if you don't say anything, I, I'll just call on people. Um, and don't worry if I don't know your name. I'll just point at you. Um, or I'll ask some of your friends to nudge the person next to them, um, because I, kn- I know enough of you to be able to do that. What's this forum about? Um, who am I? Well, it's a question that, you know, as a, as a teen, I, I probably asked a, too many times. I'm 33, so I'm, I'm not that old. Um, I'm twice as old as some of you, more than twice as old as many of you. Um, but it's a question that I ask myself even today. And so the thought came to mind when I was asked to do this forum was to, to try and gather our minds to, to center around this question of who we are and, and answering what that actually means. Um, so who am I? Just a, a picture. Who am I? I'm a dad. Uh, I have three. So some of you know uh, Mackenzie Delta. It's my sister-in-law on the, the side here. My wife Ashley's in the middle. And our three kids, Max, Ellie, and Ethan, um, so no, I'm not a dad of four. I'm just a dad of three, and it's the little ones in the picture. Um, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I work in construction. Um, when somebody asks me, who are you, that's usually the first thing that comes up. I'm Mike. I'm from Syracuse, uh, and I'm a contractor. Um, when somebody asks you who you are, I want you, you don't have to answer the question right now, but what's the first thing that, that comes to mind? I actually know for, I think for the Jeremy, Dad, 18-year-olds you have? So in the 18-year-old class, I think you, and and sorry, I actually did hear a little bit about your class. We don't talk about you, I promise. Um, But I know that they're teaching the 18-year-old class. I know that they asked you to tell about yourself. Tell us about yourselves. I think you did that yesterday, right? How awkward is that? Who likes to do that at the beginning of a class? Everybody, please say your name and tell us about yourself. Who likes that? Okay, the extroverts in here. I figured Philly was going to say, yeah, no problem. I like telling people who I am. No problem, right? I, I never really enjoyed that. I went to a conference a couple months ago, and there were a thousand people sitting in this one big auditorium, and they literally went around and said, everybody, please stand up and tell us about yourself. You know how long it takes a thousand people? Imagine this morning, if when I was standing up giving the statistics, I said, okay, starting with Sister Elsa in the corner, please stand up and tell us about yourself. How long, how frankly obnoxious that would be to go through that whole, that whole scenario. But it's something that we actually need to identify because 
what we do is we like to answer the question with a lot of superficial information, and that's not what this is going to be about today. Um, who am I? What are we not going to talk about? We're not going to talk about genetics today. We're not going to talk about um, hereditary traits. We're not going to talk about things that you've inherited or any of those kind of details. Upbringing. Um, we're not going to talk about where you go to church, how you were raised, what your parents taught you one way or the other. What we're going to talk about, the better question to be, to be asked, I think, is who do you want to be? My, I showed you the picture there. My youngest son, not my youngest, my oldest, is Ethan. Um, and actually, I may pick on a couple of you that know Ethan better. Um, Olivia, what does Ethan want? To, do you know what Ethan wants to be? Or what has Ethan been really obsessed with the last couple of months? Is that a fair question? Being a cowboy. Ethan has been obsessed with being a cowboy. Ethan has been obsessed. It's, it's different every week, right? The, Olivia's a sweetheart. She'll play with the kids in church on Sunday, um, and they just love, love to do that. Um, at camp this week, Ethan has wanted to be Aaron Judge. Anybody know who Aaron Judge is? There's a Yankees fan in here. Who is Aaron Judge? <laughs> if you ask my son Ethan who Aaron Judge is, he's the biggest baseball player in the world. He's a rookie for the Yankees. He's 6'7", 285 pounds, won the home run derby, and my son Ethan is obsessed with Aaron Judge. Now when I was a kid, when I asked the question, and Olivia's right, what do you want to be? Ethan wanted to be a, a cowboy, but Ethan pretends right now that he is Aaron Judge. He went up to Uncle Tom Hurtig the other day, and Uncle Tom said, morning Ethan. He says, I'm not Ethan. I'm Aaron Judge. Now, he happened to be wearing his hat, and he happened to be wearing a shirt that had a little emoji of Aaron's face with a little gap tooth in it, and the back said, Judge 99, and he'll go through the motions with you, but like, he, he is putting on the persona of this person he wants to be. What, did you, what do you think, you know, I'm going to ask, what did you all, give me a couple examples, just shout them out, you don't have to raise your hand, what did you all want to be when you grew up? That's the most common question a little kid has given, probably, is what do you want to be when you grow up? What was it? Bill, what did you want to be when you grew up? A basketball player. I knew that. What did you want to be when you grew up? A paleontologist. Woo! Ladies, marry that guy. <laughs> what else did you want to be? I'm just picking on you. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but that's, that's heady stuff. What did you want to be when you grew up? The president. A firefighter? An actress. A ballerina. I'm going to have Ellie, my daughter, talk to you. Construction manager. <laughs> Don't. Run as far away as you can. I do that. It's not worth it. So there was a statistic that was published, I saw, that said that if you ask a child what they want to be when they grow up, from the ages of like two to five, what do you think number one was? A fire. Go ahead. Say it again. An astronaut. Actually, firefighter was one. Astronaut was from five to ten. From two to five was a firefighter. From five to ten for a boy was an astronaut. It seemed like they were asking more boys than girls because it was a lot of things that we would otherwise espouse to be manly things. Um, but ballerina was on there. Then at age ten, what do you think it switched to? Race car driver? 
Football player? Somebody else said one. Teacher? A vet? Doctor. Why do you think at age 10 it changed to be a doctor? Money. And what do all your parents want you to grow up to be? A doctor. And why do all your parents want you to grow up to be doctors? Money. No offense, my dad's here, but I'm pretty sure he'd enjoy it if I was a doctor. One, it'd keep him around longer, and two, it would increase his uh, quality of life while he's living longer. Unfortunately, I am neither doctor nor have a lot of money, so he's in bad shape. <laughs> well, he's sitting next to a nurse, and the other one's going to be a physician's assistant, um, which works out great. I'll just make sure that his house stands. But his quality of construction is better than mine. So there's an influence, right? Kids at age 10 started to want to be a doctor because, well, you know what? Ethan wants to be a doctor because I had to tell him, he, he, uh, he first wanted to be a soldier. He told me he wanted to be a soldier. So we had to have that talk. Um, and why we wouldn't be a soldier because we're, we're pacifists and we are going to be those that would want to serve others, and you can't hate your enemy and go off and kill your enemy. And we, we had that talk, and doing that with a five-year-old, <laughs> it's hard doing that with a 25-year-old. Sometimes with a five-year-old, it was even a little tougher. But I said, Ethan, why do you want to be a soldier? Well, I want to protect people. Well, great. Well, who are some, who are some other, or what are some other jobs that protect people or help people? And a firefighter popped up. And then he said, well, his uncle Jeremy was a firefighter for a lot of years, and he got to sit in the fire trucks and understood what that was. And Uncle Jeremy went and helped people that were in, in need. I said, well, what are some other things that would, or other positions that would help people? And he said, a doctor. And I started to glow. And I thought, ah, we're going to have a doctor. <laughs> and then I know Ethan well enough to know that there's no way he's going to be a doctor. Um, it's just not his style. He's, he's not, <laughs> he's not going to be a doctor. <laughs> he's probably not going to be Aaron Judge either, but... Um, He's just going to be the sweetest kid around. Um, but there are influences. After getting wildly distracted on that slide, there are influences that are placed in our lives that cause us to want to go one way or another. It doesn't have to be as, as pointed as we want to be rich, we want to be this or that or something else. I had a grandfather that, have a grandfather, thank God he's not gone. I have a grandfather that was a mason and a builder for many, many years. I wanted to be an architect when I was a kid, because I like to draw buildings and I like to see things get built. Now, somewhere along the way, I realized that I'm not too artistic and the things I drew, they look nice when you're 12, but when you're 30 and you're still drawing like a 12-year-old, you can't be an architect anymore. So now I take other people's drawings and I build things. But that influence as a kid was what kind of ushered me and the Lord opened the doors to, to bless my occupation that I could do that which I love. But... There are all these other influences that we get. And you know what? Sometimes we have to start with the question, um, what's the first thing, rather than what we want to be, the question that we need to ask about who we are is, um, what, what is the first thing that you tell other people about yourself? This is a tough transition, but I've I got to get to this one spot, and I'm going to just stumble to it. What is the first thing that you tell other people about yourself? your name and your age, where you're from, a distinguishing characteristic. I happen to, and I am going to tell this, so the 18-year-old class, 
there was, they shared, what was the question that you asked the 18-year-olds to tell you? Tell us something about yourself that nobody knows. Who had the funniest one in that class? Is the person in here that had a funny thing, nobody ever said any names, so, and I don't know who this was, but tell us, you tell the story because I'm going to do it bad. What was the funniest thing? Somebody picked something up. They were picking up acorns and they picked up dog poop instead. I don't know who this was, and you know what? It's, it's, it's safe to not have that person point themselves out. I thought that was a hilarious thing to tell somebody. That the, the first, what is something about yourself that nobody else knows? That that's the thing you went to. So whoever did that, you, maybe you have a future in comedy. But those things that we pull out to show people first are, why, why do you tell people your name and your age? Why is that the first thing that you would pull out? Who, who said that? Why, why, would that be, why would that be the first thing that you would tell somebody? It's an identifier, right? It's a, it's a clear identifier. We all have a name and we all have an age. It's a perfect answer. We all have this distinguishing characteristic. And we, it, it equates us with, with everybody else around us. So if that's the case, that tells us something. But it doesn't tell us everything. What else... Could, what, what else do we do today to tell each other about ourselves? No wrong answer. Our interests and hobbies. How do you tell people about your interests and hobbies? Okay. Richard, have you said to everybody in here, Hi, I'm Richard. I like to dance. Well, now you have. <laughs> I, I kind of screwed that one up. Um, now he has. How many of you have a social media account? No, no, no. Put your hands down. How many of you don't have a social media account? God bless you. And God bless your parents. Guess what? I got a social media account. What kinds of social media accounts exist out there? MySpace. MySpace. All right. If I, I almost want to take a bet. We don't do betting in, in our denomination, but I almost want to take a bet. I don't even know if MySpace still exists. It does? So you're telling me I'm so old that MySpace has made a full 360 and is back to being used. You guys have MySpace accounts? Okay. Whew. So, I... All right, I'm going to just get to it. There's a whole bunch of them on here. This slide is so old, something's missing on this slide. Snapchat. Somebody do me a favor. What is Snapchat. Other than, here's what I know of Snapchat. I had a sweet young lady, I'm not going to point her out, somewhere in here, that liked to do Snapchat with my kids, and they would make funny faces on Snapchat. That's what I understood. I thought Snapchat was just a place where you could put dog ears and a tongue on your face. It's much more, says MySpace. <laughs> Snapchat. Somebody tell me what Snapchat is. You capture a moment and send it to your friends. She's writing a commercial. What? Okay, you capture a moment, you send it to your friends. And I mean this genuinely. I, I don't have a Snapchat. I have not done. <laughs> I went on my laptop and typed in Snapchat.com and tried to download it. And it said, hey, dummy, go get your phone. <laughs> I didn't know that you can't, because like, I was going to talk about Facebook a lot today, and I actually was going to venture out and talk about Instagram. 
And then I'm sitting in the dorm the other night, and the mother's there. Not even the kids are like, you are so old. Snapchat. This is what they do, Snapchat. One, one mom told me yesterday that she made a, a really nice dinner with uh, her, her family and her son. I'm not going to point him out. He might not be in here. Um, said, oh, i got to capture that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, do you snap it? It's not like post it, you snap it. I'm going to snap it. And she's like, you're going to what? It's dinner. You didn't cook it. What's so fancy about Snapchat? Why is that different than Facebook or Instagram or something like that? It's more interaction. They can only see it for a max of 10 seconds and it goes away. Whoa, something changed. She doesn't have the update. Sorry, I'm just picking. <laughs> well, clearly, I didn't know that. Somebody told me it disappears in 10 seconds. I thought, how dumb. You have to sit there all day and watch all of your friends post all these things? You don't have to. Thank you. <laughs> you don't have to. But the chaos was, so this is the other funny one. This thing was missing. This morning, I sat here during um, your classes, and I added the, that Snapchat, right? Yeah, I had to go search that, find it, and put it in a slide because I needed to be current. Because I sure wasn't when we started. So forgive me. I'm sure you all know about Instagram. You all know Facebook. I haven't ventured into the world of Snapchat. And for all of your sakes, I'm not going to. It's not. I have learned enough of these things. And I don't need any more of it. But for our generation, well, yours and the one in between and then mine, because apparently there's three of us in the room, this has become the way that we tell most people about ourselves most often. Is that an accurate reflection of who you are? No. I would venture to guess that everybody in the room would say, listen, I agree. Uh, Believe me, we all accept the fact that that which we post, or that we snap, I'm going to try, that we snap, that we post on Facebook, that we put on Instagram, we're going to accept the fact that those things don't completely share who we are. What do they do? Why do we do it? Because I could pull up, I I was going to do this, but then I thought, it's probably not fair. I was going to pull up Instagram and Facebook accounts. Then somebody told me, well, don't worry about it, because the kids in the room aren't going to have a Facebook account. So it was going to be all your big brothers and uncles and aunts and probably some of your parents. We could go stalk them on Facebook now. Creep them. I did it this morning sitting here. It's not all that impressive. There's really nothing on there that would scare anybody. But what do we put on there? You put on stuff that you want people to see. What kind of things? Interesting things. Happy things. Happy things. Happy, interesting things that other people and we would want to see. Anything that makes you look good. Anything to get you attention. Our hoppies. Sorry, one more. Something funny, what was it? Where you went on vacation. You want to know how depressing, okay, this is going to be the old guy talking. You want to know how depressing Facebook can get sometimes? You really want to have a bummed out night? I'm married. We don't go on very many vacations, okay? I got three kids. I love them all, but they take a, they take a lot of time and they take a lot of money. And so you can't go on real fancy vacations. So you really want to know how a bummed out night can start? Have some of your friends post, friends without kids typically, post this beautiful vacation they went on and then sit down to dinner with your wife. 
She, I won't make her face. She doesn't make that face, but she's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. How do they do this? Don't they work? Don't they have kids? I'm like, no. They, have, they don't have kids. They don't have... They... How many of you, when you post something, is the first thought in your mind, oh, I just, this was just such a beautiful... The, the dinner, that he's not in here. I was just looking. The dinner that was posted. Do you think the young man that was posting, or I don't know that it actually got snapped, although his mom doesn't know anything about Snapchat, so he could have done it and she'd had no idea. Do you think he really wanted to post on there, I just want to give God the glory for what a wonderful dinner my mother had made. <laughs> Why was he posting it? I'm a dude with skills that can cook. Ladies, I can cook. Here, you won't have to do this. Or as much, or whatever. We post things we want to impress somebody else, but the problem is, it's not really telling the true story of who we are. Or, how many of you have seen really, really scary posts from your friends? A bunch of hands. How many of you have seen those terrifying posts that say, and I keep talking posts, okay, this is Facebook, maybe Instagram is the same way. How many of, your friends, have you, how many of you have seen those posts that say something, somebody call me right now, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, I'm... Maybe, I haven't seen I'm going to take my life, but I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And all the rest of us read into what that is. I've seen that. That's terrifying. The question is, how many of those situations are actually real? Some of them are. But some of them, in just the same way that we want to get the attention for giving the positive things that are happening in our lives, we do the same thing with the negatives. And what we really are seeing is some big facade you know, this is, okay, this is too old and antiquated at this, point, at this point. But I had to laugh. You know, there's 900 people here at camp. I think on Facebook I have like 560. I actually think this is, I didn't make this, but I'm pretty sure I have like 560 friends. Believe me, I don't have 560 friends in the world. There probably aren't 560 people that I know. But what does it feel like when you get that, when you make that post? How does, the Snapchat allow you to have like other people like your photo or whatever? No? How do you know if somebody saw it? Oh, so you still get that, you still get some satisfaction, okay? What does it feel like when you get the satisfaction, when you, I'm not going to say the satisfaction, what does it feel like when you get one of those photos that you post and it just is a home run? It goes viral. How's that feel? Cool. This many people saw my photo. You know what? We had kids, we put pictures of them on Facebook. I'm not going to lie, I counted how many people liked that photo. It does, it pops up. This phone vibrated all day long at the hospital. I like it, I like it. Comments, how beautiful, how blessed. Oh yes, praise God, beautiful, blessed. People are looking, people are watching, people are happy, they think my kids are cute. Hey, you know what, I'm not going to argue with them. But the reality is, it's, it's feeding a... It's feeding an, a feeling in us that innately needs to be quenched. We, we need to have this thing fed so that we get a feeling that is independent of reality. Oh, just a couple of them. How many of you have seen like, a post like this on Instagram? I know a couple of brothers in California. I see posts like this all the time. My question is, is this really what's happening? Or how about this? I live this, right? This is before Instagram. This, that's not my van, but it could, could be, right? This is what was, was, this is reality. 
but this is what somebody's posting on Instagram. <laughs> or last, ladies, not just ladies, but men. This is what we, you know, this is what we think we're putting on there with all the filters and everything. Hashtag no filter, no makeup. It's funny, but it's true. It's so true. We know what you look like. You're not fooling anybody. I love when people, there's a lake back in Syracuse that people love to take photos of. And every time I see it on the computer, it looks different. Because they Photoshop this and they filter that. And it's like, it's not reality. And yet it's what we want to show somebody because it does something for us. Well, what now? What do we do about this? Are we comfortable with showing people those images? Are we comfortable with what we put on there? I'm not calling any of you out on what you put on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, otherwise. MySpace. <laughs> I'm not calling you out on that. But what we want to identify is that it's not reality. And it's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because what happens, if it's not real, then what are we really doing? How many of you know what this is? I have ventured into a whole new world. <laughs> I have a three-year-old daughter. And we went to the American Girl store in Phoenix, Arizona, and saw this. This used to be a horror movie. <laughs> that many dolls in one place used to be a horror movie, and now it's prime marketing. Do you know what these are? They're American Girl dolls, but what kind? True. So who's that at? Just like me, they're truly me dolls. Excuse me, good thing nobody sat in the front. <laughs> truly me dolls. What is the point of a truly me doll? It's supposed to look like you. There are all these varieties. Now, I, I, I enjoy the fact, that, what is, do you notice something about all these dolls? They're all girls. They got a boy. They got Logan. We went to the store. We saw the boy one too, so... This is not discriminating. What's all the same about these dolls? The face is all the same. The shirt's all the same. Okay, too. Thank you. Master of the obvious. They're all the same size. In every, in every case, to be perfectly honest, if you stripped these all things, if you made them all bald, now that'd be the horror movie. If you made them all bald, other than the shades of skin tone and maybe eye color, their faces are all basically the same. There's a little bit of variation, but all basically the same. And all that they're doing is tweaking the hair and causing it to be the closest version of every little girl that walks in there to want to have their fairy tale and their fantasy fulfilled. Because what can you do? You can take this little girl home, this little doll, and you can... My little lady wanted to have the, um, the salon accessories so that she could cut the doll's hair. You know what? That's a little terrifying for a three-year-old because you know if she's cutting the doll's hair, what's the next thing she's cutting? Her own hair. So she wants the salon set up so that she can do the doll, doll's hair and do it like her hair and do her hair like Aunt Abby's hair and do her hair like Mommy's hair and do all these things to make it look more like her. And you know what? That's innocent because the face, it, the identity actually stays the same. It's just we're accessorizing and showing in a little bit different vein to the rest of the world what we want to see. But you know what? A lot of us do this. But what's scarier is how many of us do this? It's one thing to keep, 
keep your face, you know, facial recognition. There's software that can identify who you are by your face. And you can change all the kind of things. Somebody told me this morning, nice haircut. I got the same haircut for quite a while now, but some old lady said, ah, nice haircut. Didn't get it cut or anything. But you can change all of your haircuts and still be the same person. What's different about masks? You're unrecognizable. That little doll on the first page, it's still truth, right? You're just accessorizing what the presentation is. But as soon as you start putting masks in there, there's all kinds of lies that have to come in with that. And if we're talking about ourselves in an earthly sense, and if we think about the, the premise of that whole um, social media experience, how many times are the things that you post and put out there just another mask? And it can take on all kinds of different, um, different views or, or feelings or whatever. There could be a mask of, of fear. There could be a mask of grief. There could be a mask of hopelessness. There could be a mask of uh, insecurity. You know, I'd bet that that mask of insecurity typically shows up in one of those look how great I look today things. And that one of fear typically shows up in one of those I went skydiving today or I did cliff jumping today or I rode these roller coasters at Cedar Point today. It always comes in the complete opposite of what we're projecting. But what happens is if we're not careful, putting on the mask every day, you know, my kids haven't seen the movie Pinocchio yet, but this thing was a little scary. Because how many of the masks that you put on just have a nose that's growing longer and longer and longer? And it's not reality, because what I'm actually doing is putting on a lie and trying to live it like it's reality. Trying to tell the world, and even myself at times, that that which I put out there is the truth of what's happening inside. How many of you bought a new wardrobe for camp? You don't have to raise your hands. I appreciate there's some blatant honesty over here. But we all did, right? We all had to buy different things and accessories. And it's not that we didn't have nice enough things, but we wanted to project and we wanted to look nice and we wanted to, to give an image that was a little bit different than probably the rest of the time. But what happens is that we're trying to control the distribution of what people see about us. But do we even recognize it? You know, we live in a society today where you put all these things and post all these things. But if, if you sat down at the end of the day and somebody said, you know, why did you really do that? And you had this awakening. or try, they, You tried to have an honest conversation with yourself as to why did you post, why did you make the last snap or the last post that you made? How many of those things would be true identifiers of who you are. It's so natural that we even convince ourselves that it's reality. We convince ourselves that all the photos that I post on my Facebook page about... I, I was having a little technical difficulties, but if you look at my Facebook page right now, my profile picture is a big orange stuffed animal, and it says, be proud, be loud, be orange. I'm a big Syracuse University fan. That's why that's on there. I put that on there a year and a half ago and forgot to take it down. And if somebody looked at that really quick, they'd think this guy must be season ticket holder because a little bit farther down, there's pictures of all my kids dressed up in all kinds of orange stuff. Now, do I like Syracuse University? Yes. Am I obsessed? Renee would probably tell you yes. He's, he's mildly obsessed. Um, but it's not reality. The who I am every day, am I an employee of Syracuse University? Do I... It, 
do I attend every game? Do I never miss it? No, it's a minor detail of what my overall walk of life is. And yet, that's the first thing people see. And all the while, in many cases, we're deceiving ourselves as to what our true identifiers are. How about in church? Are you the same on Sunday as you are on Monday? How many of you talk to the sweet old ladies at church the same way you do your friends on Monday morning when you go to school? I know it's summertime. Probably no different now, though. How many of you talk to the sweet old ladies in the dining room here at camp the same way you do your friends in the dorm at night? Honesty down in the front here. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm sure you do. But I didn't. We live a veil. We live a mask. Right? Even, even me, the dad, I'm a preacher. Is the preacher that gives the message on Sunday morning the same irritated general contractor that goes into the office on Monday morning and has to ream out the subs, the subcontractors? Physically, I'm the same person, but I'm ashamed to say that there are times in my life that happen far too often that the mask that I put on is what I feel I need for that day to get that job done. And how many times are you guys putting on a mask when you, you're putting one on in probably both places, but there's one mask for church and there's one mask for school. How many of you can answer every question that would be asked on testimony night? You don't have to raise your hands. I bet you, if I stood up right here and took the book, they don't, maybe they have a book, I'm not sure. But we all know the questions. We all know those things that are going to be asked on testimony night. And if I stood here and asked those questions of you, I would bet that most of you could answer them all correctly. And with sincerity, give them to me as if you have embraced them in your lives. I know that's not the case. I know that as I'm standing here, 12% of you, I don't remember what the actual number is, but 12% of you are not saved. You're not. Not holding it against you. That's between you and God. The comment I made this morning about how somebody said the other day that, um, you know, we always are hard on the, the parents and the teachers and stuff when we make that announcement. We say that so and so many percent are not Christians and we have a lot of work to do. We do. But pressure's on you. The relationship you have with God is your relationship with God, and I don't stand in between it. Heaven help me if, if I hinder it, and I pray that I can be a blessing in some way to help maybe remove some of the, the scales that might be on some eyes and to be a vessel of the Lord to help work with you. But I question, because I did it myself, how many masks I see here. Because how many of you have also got the question from those sweet old ladies at church, like, When are you going to be baptized? I just see such a change. You're doing so good. You're here every Sunday. You don't talk back to mom and dad anymore. Everything's so good. You know, you're doing such a good job. But little do they know that as soon as you get home, mask comes off, sits on the countertop, put the other one on, put the headphones on, pull the phone out. It's totally different. There is no truth in between either one of them. Who are you? before God. Because this shouldn't be, I mean, you're here at camp. This should not be a revelation to anybody. You're not hiding anything from him. He sees you without filters. 
Okay, there's no hashtag no makeup, hashtag no filter, hashtag God knows all of it, sees all of it. You're not hiding any of it. And if you're here at camp, you understand what that means for you and for you eternally. With all those influences, what you really have and you don't recognize it because we all are this way, is you have no identity. There is no noticeable identifier. It's all been stripped away because we don't really understand exactly what that means. What is an identity? Sorry, I did a lot of talking there. That was not a good way to do this form. That's not my style. What is an identity? Or what kind of things go into your identity? Personality, okay? Things that make you unique, makes you who you are, interests. Where do you get your identity? It's God given. Your identity is God-given. No offense. (laughs) Good answer. We'll get there. Your identity is God-given. You personally foster it. It's specific to you. It's identifying who you are. I mean, in the name itself. But it also leaves an imprint. I'm just putting all those up for a second. If your identity is God-given, how does that change how you look at it? How many of you thought that your identity was God-given? How many of you thought that you could influence it? You're not wrong. When I say that you personally foster it, what do I mean? What does it mean to foster something? Or personally develop, I guess is a better way to say it. I don't want to drag that part of it out too long. God gives us an identity. And we'll talk about exactly how that is and we'll read some scriptures about it. But we have an impact on it. In the same way that you can project and you can post and you can snap all these things and you can show other people something, fundamentally, internally, not what other people are looking at right now, but who you are at the core, who God has made you, you can't affect that. It's also specific to you. Nobody else has it. Nobody else will perfectly understand it. Nobody else can identify it by it. But it is that thing that will identify you before God. Unfortunately, at this phase in our lives, what we're more concerned with, though, is who are we to everybody else? We're not concerned enough with who are we before God. And the problem with that is is we don't recognize where we are leaving an imprint. Okay, so where do I go to figure out who I am? Who should I listen to? I mean, this is, I didn't, this is not, uh, this is not how I grew up, Okay. I'm not, my parents didn't yell at me that way and tell me this is who you're going to be. But as an image of those influences on us shouting around us, you know, who do men say that I am? Why do you post, where did all the ideas for all the things you post on Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram come from? Where did all that start? Why did, raise your hand if you have a Snapchat account. Why did you get a Snapchat account? Either one of you. To talk to your friends. Your friends had a Snapchat account, so you wanted to tie in with them. And if you run down the line, there probably was some person at first that had the account. But all of it was an influence on somebody else, right? Somebody else had it, you wanted it, and you wanted to just follow along the line. Do you know what's very interesting about this? We all want to be unique. We all want to post these things that should be individual identifiers of of us. But what are we really we're all the same. You're just all following along. I'm the only unique one in here because I don't have a Snapchat account. Not really. I don't have one either. 
Okay, you don't have one either. And that's the one. Yeah, thank you. But you know what I'm saying? Every one of us is following after a model that we've seen and we think is going to yield something. But all it does is wind us deeper into this mess that's been created for our destruction. The better question is, and somebody look up a couple uh, verses for me. Can I have somebody with John 1.12? Actually, let's do it this way. Claudia, would you look up John 1.12? Carrie, can I ask you to look up Ephesians 1.4? Let's see. Nicholas, do you have a Bible? Can you look up Hebrews 13.5? And then Phil, you're sitting next to him. Can you look up uh, 1 John 3.1 and 2? And I'm just going to fire these out. Who does God say that I am? I am going to run out of time. Read those for me. Uh, if you could, Claudia, the first one. Yeah, Ephesians 1.4. Did I say it wrong? Oh, I'm sorry. Whoever I gave Ephesians 1.4, please read it. Thank you. We are chosen by God. Whoever I gave, the John, First uh, John 3, 1 and 2. Thank you. And now the John. Thank you very much. And lastly, Nicholas, Hebrews. We know what you meant. Thank you. Four simple identifiers of who God says that we are. That we are chosen by Him. That we are His children. We are empowered. And that we will remain with Him forever. Okay, one that I want to hit very hard. Slaves. I'm going to read Romans 6, verse 22. But now being made free from sin, ye have become servants or slaves to God. Ye have fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Paul said this. Was Paul crazy? Who wants to be a slave? Who would want to be a slave? Nobody in here, right? But what was Paul saying? Why was Paul using the description for believers that we are to be slaves to righteousness? Basically when he says slaves to righteousness is being a slave to truth. Did you ever recognize that you were slaves already? This is kind of funny. And this shouldn't be a revelation. But isn't it fair to say that that craziness we do, and I'm not just trying to harp on social media, but this is the identifier that I was able to pull out for this particular study. Can't we say that we're slaves to that? We're slaves to the control that it has over us. This thing is a slave. I'm a slave to this thing in so many different ways. It tells me when to get up in the morning. It tells me when to go to bed at night. No kidding. The thing says, I have an app on here that reminds me, try to not use your phone after 10 p.m. No screens after 10. So it puts me to bed. It wakes me up in the morning. It tells me all kinds of things in the meantime, and it buzzes every time somebody likes a photo of me. And then I want to say, well, I'm not a slave to anything. And it's uncomfortable to have to read these verses in Romans that say that we are to be slaves to righteousness. Paul's description was, I'm going to read from verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye've become servants or slaves to righteousness. And then skipping down to verse 21. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye were ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin, ye've become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. We're to be, as he says here, we're to be dead to sin and alive unto Christ. The problem is that we don't understand what that actually means. 
we want to be conf- we're confused about this thing and we think, well, I, I can't be a slave to anything when the reality is that we're enslaved altogether. Paul was saying in Romans, he says, that you were once the slaves in your state. You currently are slaves to sin. But He, through grace, has given us the opportunity to be alive unto Christ and to be a slave to righteousness. Now, our identities have been... This is, it was a neat picture, I thought. Our identities have been stolen. We were given an identity by Christ, by, by God in our creation. He has a, an appointed plan for us. But through our sin nature, that identity was stolen and we've been enslaved to it. That sin nature has enslaved us and not given us a choice out. It says that you are a slave to whom you obey. In this case... You're a slave to Snapchat. You're a slave to Instagram. All of those things are a slave to the sin nature and to this earthly nature that controls us and forces us to try and put out there that which is a lie as the identifier of our souls. But who do we... Whoop, sorry. Who do we want that to be? It's a choice. It's a, a clear choice. Do we want to be a, a slave unto sin, which yields what? Death. Or... Would we rather be a slave unto God, which yields eternal life? Now, this is, it's a truth, right? There's, there's, you could end the forum here. Any questions, right? This is, a, this is a dull moment. You came to camp. If you all wanted to remain slaves to sin, you wouldn't have come to camp. But the question that I'm left with, even as a believer, every day, is when I look in the mirror in the morning... And when the Lord looks into the mirror of my life, what does He see? Who do you see? And who should we see? The world's going to tell us that those things that we put on, all those things that you post, your beliefs, your heritage, your narrative, your behavior, your traits, your abilities, all those things that you post and show for everybody else to see, that that's, who identifi- that's what identifies who you are. But that's just what you put on. But what does the Word say? What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, or temperance. What did Paul say that we're supposed to be doing as identifiers of the Spirit in us? We're supposed to be showing all of those things. We're supposed to be bearing fruit. And yet all we seem to be bearing is the same mess muddled projection of filtered junk that the rest of the world is showing. And then we question ourselves, just like the brother said last night. We question ourselves why six months and 12 months and three months or whatever it is, after camp, there's no change in our lives. It's because every time, every aspect of it is still a mask or a filter, something else that, I'm, that I am trying to put on. But how do we do this? You know what? Being a Christian, living the Spirit in our lives and projecting that to the world around us is going to cause you to stand out. If you truly want to stand out, if you truly want to be that one that has the killer profile, forget about the social media part of it and follow the Lord. Because those identifiers of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, all of those kind of things will show so much brighter in the sin-darkened world that we exist in right now. It'll shine as a light that nobody's ever seen before. It doesn't look the same. 
But it's not supposed to because it comes from a different place. And that obedience to the Spirit leaves an imprint. If our identity is supposed to leave an imprint in this world, what do you want it to be? There's a quote that I was told of a couple months or years ago that said, how would you like to leave your imprint? Your fingerprints or your butt prints? There's too many people in this world that are just content to sit around and not do anything. But how many of us are willing to actually go out and touch and heal and encourage and, and motivate and carry and lift and push and pull? Use our hands to the fullest extent that the Lord has given us power to do so. But what we're more content to do is sit down and just fire open my phone. I've had three likes and two comments on a photo I posted yesterday while we've been sitting here. That's not the example that Jesus gave. The example that Jesus gave was to be exactly that, one who is leaving an imprint. He didn't need to have an account to broadcast what he was doing because after people interacted with him, what did they do? After people came in contact with Jesus, what did they do? They got up and they ran to tell other people about it. How many times in Scripture does it say that Jesus told them, like, don't tell anybody what just happened here? I've always questioned that. Why did Jesus want to stifle all the growth that was happening? Well, it would probably because he needed to do more and he knew that the crowds were just going to get crazy. Is that the kind of impact you would like to have? Is that the kind of relevance that you'd like to have in this world? Or are you content to just stay the course and follow along as a sheep without a shepherd? You know, this one, I really didn't have a great caption for that, but I could just see my son doing that dressed up this way, and deciding that I'm going to be the me that I want to be. You know what? That's what we were all told that we could do. But what we really should be seeking after is to have that imprint. You know, I didn't know that Sister Jen was going to talk about that this morning, that uh, Brother Jarko in California would imprint um, the cross on pennies. I need to find out a little bit more about that. But that photo just jumped out to me. What does my imprint look like in this world? What does my imprint look like on my kids? What does your imprint look like on your friends and on your family? You know, some of you may not have believing parents. What does your imprint look like on them? Are we content to allow the world's imprint on us to be, those, to, to be an emoji? Are we content to have the imprint of an app logo? be that which identifies me. I think for everybody sitting here, we kind of laugh about it, but then we just follow along afterwards because it's all we know how to do. The question is, am I willing to allow all of him and none of me be found in that imprint? That allow this to be God's imprint because of my God-given identity to be fulfilled in my life and be fulfilled in the world around me. You know, it's a simple song that we sing so often where it says, Take my life and let it be. What's the next line? Consecrated Lord to Thee. What does consecrated mean? Devoted? That's a very good answer. Devoted. The other one that's absolutely correct, I'm not changing, but the one, I actually thought of the word sanctified, which means set apart for a purpose. Take my life and let it be, Lord, set aside for your purposes. We're willing to throw everything into the middle of the table 
push all our chips into the middle of the table and seek affirmation and contentment and all of those kind of things from our 500 followers on Twitter or our, what are they on Snapchat? Are they followers? Friends? I'm still being educated even this far back. Everybody's nodding, so I must not be too far off track. We want to find the affirmation there. How about we see where God sees us? Allow him to show that to us. Who am I? Who am I going to be? Who are you going to be? Our theme is choose, choose you this day. I don't mean, you know, your parents probably would have asked me to do a forum and say, tell them at the end of the forum, delete all their accounts and put them all to bed. Choose you this day, throw them all away, and be like those that don't have any accounts and can follow the Lord wholeheartedly. I'm not telling you that. There's a lot of good that you can do with all this modern technology that we have. My question that I want to leave you with is, are you content? Are you happy with who you are showing to the world as one? And are you content with who God sees as your identity? Put your name in there. Am I content with the Mike that God sees? And if we're not, we all know where we have to go. It's the revelation of the Spirit in our lives, the power of the Spirit in our lives that will reveal those things that should be the identifiers of our walk. That should be those things that others will say, there goes my disciple. And that others would say that there is one in whom the Spirit of God dwells. I meant it wholeheartedly that this was a, you know, that when we talk about the 12% of you that are believers and then the rest of you who are not, that that's a you problem, not a me problem. Um, I say that tongue-in-cheek, right? I mean, there is no greater joy than to know that our family walks with the Lord. And so it's our prayer that as we can help to identify some of these things and recognize that those things that we try to point out in forums like this, they're only the modern interpretation of the things that were pointed out to me 20 years ago. When I sat as a 13-year-old here and... I'm actually thinking that it might have been Bob Varga at that time that was given a forum on similar stuff. It was a different technology at the time. It probably wasn't really technological, period. Um, but recognize that these things are pointed out not to harp on that which is new and up-to-date, but to point out those things that will be stumbling blocks that you may not see. Pray that the Lord would uh, continue to reveal those things in your lives. I did way more talking than I wanted to. Any comments, questions, uh, things that anybody would like to add? You guys were great. Go off to choir now, right? Thank you. <laughs>